0: So there's a couple things that I see on a regular basis. One is that maybe they have a sales CRM and a marketing automation system, but the two systems aren't talking to each other. So you're missing that business or brand intelligence.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the growth and scaling podcast. Today, we are blessed to have with us Angela Hill. Angela, will you please tell us who you are and what you do?
0: Hi, everyone. I am the founder and CEO of Insitio. We are a branding and marketing agency in North County, San Diego. I started my agency 19 years ago after working for big brands and big agencies for many years.
1: Wow. 20 years, almost 20 years. I mean, 19, 20-ish. That's a long time to run an agency. Who do you serve with your agency? Who's your ideal avatar that you're going after? Who do you help?
0: So right now we work with a lot of B2B companies that are typically in some kind of technology space. Okay. So it could be software, fintech, uh, complex manufacturing, Hardware engineering, medical device. As long as there's something complicated about it and it's B2B, that's usually a good
1: fit for us. You like the complicated. I do. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, now, tell me about that because that's, that's an interesting phrase you just said. I mean, complicated means what to you?
0: Oftentimes when we work with clients what I have found is that there's typically a founder CEO who is incredibly brilliant. They've got this amazing idea for either a product or service, and they've right. gotten their business to a certain point and then they're stuck. And that point may be that they flatlined. Uh, it could yeah. be that what was working for marketing and sales before doesn't work now. It could be that they're going down. Uh, They have a downward trajectory. (laughs) Or it could be that the founder CEO is just getting tired of doing the business and they want to exit within 18 to 24 months. And what I found is in those scenarios, when you have a very technical, brilliant founder CEO, they're really great at... Coming up with a solution to a problem and their product or service is typically exceptional, but they are not great at targeting their ideal customer audience, uh, differentiating from their competition and crafting either the right brand visuals or messaging or using the right marketing tools to accomplish their revenue goals. Because they they can All do of, it, but they can't explain it.
1: Right. I was gonna say they do it, but they don't really know how they got to where they got, right? Right. And and part of that, I mean, you and I both recognize this pretty immediately what the problem is is that some of them just don't know how to define their ideal client, right?
0: Well, and it's more than just a defining the ideal client, because they may know, like, I want to go after this job title, or I want to go after this industry, or I want to launch right. in this region, or I want to stay with the U.S., or I need to go international. But mean right. that next step of understanding how typography, or colors, or pictures, or video, or words, either effectively or ineffectively communicate why someone should buy what it is they've made, that's where they get, right because they could do the technical speak, but then they may not be able to translate it for other people that are part of the sales process that also need to have buy in on that purchase.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. Now, your agency, what you do for these people is what? When you when you find someone in one of these in one of these scenarios that you've just described, what's one of the first things that you do to try and help them?
0: So a lot of times I will initially engage with either a branding strategy or a marketing strategy that may happen on a project basis, or sometimes I come in as a fractional chief marketing officer. And what that Love does that. Is is it enables me to take a look at the back end infrastructure? Uh, do they have the right team in place? Does the team have the right skill sets? Do they have the right systems and processes? What about the software right. they're using? Um, right. does their budget look like? Are they even able to track <laughs> marketing ROI? Do they have a clear understanding of their sales sequence and the sales pipeline? There's so many things that go into marketing and branding that pretty much 100% of the time, something's missing. But you have to identify what you wanna fix before you engage. So the analogy that I use with my clients is, if your company is a car and I'm a mechanic and you bring me your car to fix it, I have to look under the hood to figure out what's wrong with the engine before I can right. give you an estimate or a timeline or details regarding the best way to fix the problem.
1: It's very tough to put a bandaid on something that could be like a burst artery or something, right?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so sometimes I'm an ER surgeon, right. you know, working trauma, and right. sometimes a general practitioner saying, okay, you're not in terrible shape, but there's right. a couple things we can fix.
1: Right. I love the way you look at that. And I love that analogy because, you know, truly there are sometimes very simple tweaks that, that that's the reason why the car can't go over 35 miles an hour. Right. I mean, it, it sometimes <laughs> can be a simple messaging thing. It could be a simple sales tip against it can be a simple targeting thing but they really just don't know why they're stuck at 35. Right. Exactly.
0: And that's often why companies plateau, because yeah, what worked six months ago or 12 months ago isn't working now. Yeah. And they don't really know what else they should be doing or how to do it differently to get to that next stage.
1: Right. Right and And, having worked with as many companies as you have over a twenty year lifespan as a marketing agency, um, I gotta believe that you've seen so many different elements of companies in this stage where they're like, "Okay, I kind of don't know where to go next." Uh, you know, and, and as you take these first few steps of them and you look under the hood, what are the most common red flags that you're seeing? What are the things that just kind of pop up and you're like, "Ah,, uh, that belt's broken." Ah, that that piston's not working. What What are you seeing most regularly?
0: So there's a couple things that I see on a regular basis. One is that maybe they have a sales CRM and a marketing automation system, yeah, but the two systems aren't talking to each other, <laughs> so you're missing that business or brand intelligence. Totally. The other thing that I see is that you have a well-meaning person within the organization that is missing knowledge, and they're overspending either on the wrong software,
1: yeah.
0: or the wrong keywords in a Google AdWords campaign, right? or they're not putting um, tactics in place to track the effectiveness of their marketing in order to demonstrate right. ROI from their marketing efforts. Right. So they don't even really know what's working or not working.
1: Totally agree. And and as you see that I mean those are definitely some common things and for those listening, if you're in this boat, please know that Angela is describing not just you. She's not just talking to you. She's talking to like a lot of people in that say 2 to 10 million dollar range. These are huge, hugely common problems. And so you're not alone. Angela, what do you do when you see these things and like these disparate systems and, and no real metrics of measurement? How do you help them?
0: So we typically try to meet them where they are. So if they yeah. have an existing infrastructure and existing technology stack with certain software that they're currently using, right? we first try triage to see if we can fix that. <laughs>
1: Right.
0: If you can't, or if the needs that they have are too great and the software or the people that are working on the software yeah. need training or you need to switch out something. The way I like to describe it is it's your house right and i'm like your interior designer slash architect right you tell me what your dream home looks like right and i will come in i'll clean it up i'll fix it up i'll make sure everything's working great and then i will hand it back to your internal team
1: love it i want to thank you so much for listening to this episode But I also wanna take just a few seconds to let you know about a project that we've been putting together for the last several months, and we're finally launching it called the Captain's Council. You see, as a CEO or operator of a business, it can feel like you get stuck in your own head a lot of the time. You get challenges that you don't know how to resolve, you get people causing problems in your leadership team that you don't know how to resolve, and it's so hard to overcome those things by yourself you don't have to anymore. Join the Captain's Council. Captain's Council is a group of other CEOs and operators and owners of businesses where we come together once a month for several hours to discuss the biggest challenges you're facing. You express to the council of eight to 10 people about what's going on. Where do you feel stuck? And these other people are in the same boat as you. They're running and operating their own businesses. They're your peers. They help you kind of dissect what's happening and help you see things that you may not have seen all by yourself. If you don't have a good strong network of people around you, come join the captain's council. This is gonna be something that will change the way you run your business and open your eyes to opportunities that you have never seen, without the help of your peer group. Come check it out, captainscouncil.com. Love it. And that makes such a difference, doesn't it? I mean, how do you improve on something you're not currently measuring? That's a huge problem. And I think that so many business owners and operators are running this business, like you said, spending a lot of money on marketing and ad dollars and things like that without really even knowing Oh my gosh, I could have bought this long tail keyword for a third of the price, instead of spending all that money on something that all my competitors are doing, right? Lack of strategy.
0: Well, it's not even just lack of strategy. It's what I like to call the shiny object syndrome. Sure. So maybe the CEO or the head of sales or marketing goes to a trade show or a conference, or they read an article and they go to the marketing team and they say, Hey, let's try this. Right. And the marketing team says, Okay, boss, you got it. I'm gonna yep. do what you asked for. Yep. But at no point is anyone saying, time out is this the right place for us to be spending our time and energy considering is there a return our current there? and our current team skill set. Right. Yeah. So there's there's just some common sense stuff, right? Yeah. Like if I'm working on a brand and it's B2B and it's financial and I'm targeting male CFOs 45 to 65, right? And I'm choosing colors, I'm probably not going to choose bubblegum pink. <laughs> like that's a common sense kind of thing. Not I'm likely. probably not. I'm probably not going to advertise on TikTok. TikTok. Like right. I might. Or I might go on Instagram, but for the most part, probably not. So there's just some unspoken rules about color theory or understanding your audience and where are they on social media. And my philosophy is don't waste your time doing every possible marketing strategy and tactic. Instead, figure out what's working, figure out what's not working. Focus your energy on what's working and then keep monitoring and adapting and evolving and refining. Because there's no, unfortunately, there's no such thing as a set it and forget it marketing plan.
1: Agreed. And and every every case, every company is different. Every stage of the company is different. Every client you're going after is different. Like there's really not a good cookie cutter recipe for this. How do you, you know, you mentioned earlier that you've, uh, you know, you've had this agency for almost twenty years now, and and in the past few years, you've kind of delved into some fractional CMO relationships with people. How has that been different than managing from an agency level versus being in on an executive level within an within a company?
0: Yeah, it's. I don't know how to explain it other than it works better because when I can get in there, I can be the translator between the C-suite, the sales team and the marketing team. Love it. And C-suite can say, hey, Angela, I really need to understand how my different departments are performing, like even within sales, like you might have different teams focused on different service or product lines. Right. And the CEO needs to see the overhead picture, but then the CEO or maybe the VP of sales just needs to see what's specific to sales.
1: Yeah, yeah. But
0: then the CFO needs to see that same information, but from a different perspective.
1: Interesting. And so
0: I really enjoy, like we do a lot of work in HubSpot. We're a HubSpot agency, and I really enjoy building out these reports and dashboards. And if I can't do it in HubSpot, then it's good old fashioned Excel where I'm building out a spreadsheet, but I'm leveraging marketing automation tools to plug in the data and then be able to predict. Yeah. Like for example, I have this amazing client that I love working with and I was able to not only demonstrate ROI from a trade show that they went to. So it was like, right, we spent 2000 in marketing, it generated 2.5 million in opportunity. And we closed 1.2 million in revenue. Love it. And I and I have the attribution, I right. have all the details to be able to show that to the CEO. Right. And then the CFO said, Well, now how do I look at the stuff that you're doing and be able to predict the future? Right. And So I built it out a spreadsheet based on hubspot reports where i'm plugging in right how many days from opening a deal to close one what's the percentage of each stage to close one and then how does that break out on a per project class basis for each of the different (laughs) things that they sell sure and then based on the number of days and the percentage of close rate i can do cash flow forecasting to help the CFO see what kind of revenue should be coming in in the next two to three months. Love it. And it's based on data.
1: Yeah, Like it's, yeah, not, it's not just it's a feeling.
0: It's not subjective. Right. It's not, ooh, I really like that color, that picture. Right. It's like, no, this is data based on what's really happening in your company. Now we get to make good decisions.
1: I love it, I love it. This has been so fun. Uh, honestly, I, I think this is such a fun conversation because I really feel like our target audience for this podcast is listening, thinking, okay, this is great because I don't know how to talk to agencies. I don't have anyone on my team that can talk to an agency. I love how you use the word translator between these departments, because I really do think that what you said is exactly true. Most most operators or CEOs in a company don't know how to talk marketing. They don't know how to read marketing reports. And most sales teams say, ah, screw the marketing team. I'm just going to have my sales guys generate their own leads, which is a huge mess in and of itself, right? So at what point in a company's growth is it right to say, you know what, this fractional CMO thing actually sounds really good. Where do I look into that versus I'm just going to trust my agency blindly to handle all that stuff for me?
0: Yeah, so I would say at the point that you are spending money on an agency, you need a senior person in marketing on a fractional basis to be your advocate yeah. to look at the agency contract and make sure that what Love you it. asked for is actually in the proposal and quote that they sent. And there's not right. some hidden language that's going to be a gotcha later or yeah. some hidden clause that's going to cost you way more money or yeah. like I've yeah. seen, I've seen companies commit to ridiculous contracts only because they didn't realize what they were agreeing to and then yeah. they locked into something that didn't work and they couldn't get out of it.
1: And they lose all their assets and creatives and everything they spent time and money on, they're gone.
0: Well, and it just uses up a lot of the marketing budget. And then they're trying to make do with what little bit is left. Imagine if you brought in a senior person and it doesn't have to be me, but somebody who it is their responsibility to speak up for you and to say, no, that's not good enough. No, I need you to make an edit to that contract. Nope. I see where we're going with this creative. I need these modifications because... That person acts as your brand champion. That person is thinking totally. about your business and what we're trying to accomplish from a sales and a profitable revenue perspective. Not just can we get a bunch of marketing qualified leads in, check, I did my right. job, we're good. Not just right. schedule that initial meeting, sales qualified lead, check, we're good. No, it's all right. the way through the sales process. Because you have to put good quality prospects in to get good right. quality revenue out.
1: Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I love I love that. I love what you've been describing. This whole conversation I think has been so valuable to people because you know, they don't know when to turn to a marketing director or a fractional CMO or who is qualified to be my, my in-house person to to be able to articulate what I want from an agency and and what I want from my lead journey and, and that initial lead acquisition stage. Cause that's tricky. That's tricky. In fact it's so tricky that a lot of the sales directors and fractional yeah, I've had a lot of people on the show who are sales leaders and sales huge sales advocates and fractional BP of sales, that kind of thing, they almost ignore what you're talking about as a marketing director to build that messaging, build that target audience, and start generating the quality leads that a sales team needs to close on, right?
0: Right, and that's the classic dilemma. Market yeah. says, sales, I gave you good leads, what'd you do with them? And sales <laughs> says, marketing, you gave me crappy leads, I couldn't do yep. anything with them. And they, instead of working together and communicating effectively, and partnering to accomplish the same goal, they have an yeah. adversarial relationship and it's not totally. productive. It's not, but that's why it not someone who can be that bridge and says, okay, sales, I hear you. You say the leads are crappy. Tell me why. Oh, well, it right. needs to be this size company that we're targeting, or it needs to be this job title or it right. needs to be this industry or this type of project we're going after. You plug that right. data back into marketing. Well, now we've dialed in our customer archetype and our messaging and what we're trying to accomplish, yep. we have our personas. Yep. We're way more effective in marketing.
1: hundred percent, but it's not.
0: Yeah. Well, and I always tell the marketing teams that I work with, I say, feedback is a gift. Yes. Don't take it as an insult. Don't take it personally. It's a gift. It's an opportunity for you to improve the work that you're doing and get better results for the
1: company that 100%. you so Angela. This has been so good. We're almost to the end of where we need to be in this conversation in terms of timeline for my people. But the audience wants to know about your business. You know, 20 years in business is phenomenal. It's exciting. It's it's what a lot of people look for in longevity for what they're creating right now how have you done it and what are some highlights along the way that have kind of helped you maintain that and continue to grow your client base with that with that agency
0: so i would say the key to longevity is change evolving and adapting as technology changes particularly in marketing when i started my agency We were focused on branding and print design, traditional graphic design, logos and brochures and catalogs, annual reports. And if it was on paper, (laughs) that's what we were doing. And what happened was websites started becoming something that people really needed as a company. So then we started doing website design and development. And then we added organic search and then paid search and then email marketing and then social media and video and then marketing automation and so the only way to survive and thrive is to be willing to evolve and adapt based on what's going on in your particular industry that's not exclusive to marketing it really applies to everybody if you don't evolve and adapt it will be very difficult to survive
1: agreed agreed i love it I love it. You have done a wonderful job of doing that. And I totally uh, respect the heck out of you for for being able to stick in your business this long. Obviously, there's going to be some things you're going to do differently in the future to continue to grow and adapt, but also thinking about next stages. How important is it for you when you talk to clients? Is that exit strategy? I mean, do you you work into that? Do you delve into that at all? You, You talked at one point about businesses that are are, you know, I want to be out of this in 18 to 24 months, but I just want to build a revenue boom. How do you look at that?
0: So I have quite a bit of experience working with companies that want to exit. Um, typically yeah. There's that brilliant um, owner, founder that started the company, and maybe they're just tired and they're ready to exit. Yeah. Yeah. They're, so many things that we can do from a branding and marketing perspective, either to make it easier to transition when they get acquired, or um, appeal to that potential acquirer, because that really is a marketing tactic of making your company appealing to them as a target audience. Or I have even done something where it's more like an annoyance campaign. Like we make so much noise and create so much attention and and right. disrupt so much to try and win business away from them. Right. That The only way they can get that company to go away is to buy them.
1: I love so it. There's lots of cool. <laughs> That's kind of a fun strategy. I've never heard of that one. I like it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had a medical device company that I was working with and they had a superior product and their two competitors were just ginormous. And so <laughs> we went to the to the hottest biggest trade show of the year and it was bananas the push that we went out there and then <laughs> 6 months later that company acquired them and was like oh, I love it. Away. You are making it really hard for us to do our job, because you do have a product that's technically better than ours.
1: Wow. Wow. I love it. That That is definitely a new one. I've never gone out and done an annoyance campaign, but I love <laughs> the strategy. That sounds awesome. Well, fun- Angela. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. So Angela, in closing, you know, I I just love what you've done. I love what you built. This conversation is super effective for those listening, because We've gone through a lot of different marketing advice, a lot of different growth and scaling advice. Tell us last of all, you know, is there someone in your path that's been in your I guess circle of influence who's kind of inspired you that you'd like to give a shout out to today?
0: Yeah, I'd really like to do a shout out to Terry Mayers. She was my business and sales coach when I was first getting started. Awesome. She is the one that taught me about the importance of crucial conversations and that Ooh. it's more important to have a difficult conversation when your problem is early and small than yeah. to procrastinate and, uh, and avoid the conflict and wait until later. And that has been a really valuable lesson that I have been able to use in my business Very and smart. my personal life.
1: Very smart. I I agree. That's a good personal and business advice point. Love it. Thank you, Terry, for doing that for you. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I, I think that this has been valuable content. We sure appreciate you being here and taking the time to do this with us. Thank you so much for being here. And we look forward to catching all of you after this episode on the very next one. We'll see you then. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of that interview. If you haven't done so already, tell us what you liked. Tell us what you would have asked. Help us understand how we can make this show better for you. Because I know that it is always a choice when you're choosing which podcast to listen to. We want the Growth and Scaling Podcast to be a part of your regular listening profile. We want you to enjoy these episodes, and we hope you find joy in this one in this one. If you hadn't already heard, you know, the way that people like our guests today and other guests have grown, you'll hear it in almost every interview, is by connecting with other founders and operators of businesses. You see, the beauty of growth and scaling comes not only from an individual's effort and being the quote unquote leader of your group, but it's a smart leader that interacts with other leaders that are growing and scaling to get the feedback, to get the ideas, to get the flow going, and also help you avoid pitfalls that you may not know exist. We don't know what we don't know, and most of the time, that's why community amongst other founders and operators is so important. We have put together that community in the Captain's Council. That's right, the Captain's Council is designed to help other founders and operators who are well beyond launch phase, looking for ways to find that next stage of growth in their business. How do you do it? You do it with the help of your friends. Our peer groups are designed in small intimate groups so that you can find those friendships, that advice, those people who are doing the same thing you're doing now to help you find those next channels of revenue, to find that next stage of growth, and to build opportunities that you may not have otherwise even thought about in your business. So check it out at captainscouncil.com, captainscouncil.com, and let us know if what we're talking about resonates with you. We appreciate you being part of the Captain's Council and being part of our podcast. The Growth and Scaling podcast is free, always free, delivering value to other founders that we think need the advice and love to hear the stories of other people growing and scaling their business. Thanks for being a part of it. we look forward to catching you on the next episode. And if you haven't done so already, listen to past episodes. Every one of these founders is amazing. Their stories are unique. And we hope you gain some value from our show. Thanks for being a part of it. We'll see you next time.